I think growing up on the farm was one of the most underrated best things in my life. I didn't realize until I was older how great it was. All the space we wanted, play outside, build forts, all that. But growing up on the farm had some negatives though. And it started really happening in 1993. We got the internet. In fact, we got AOL. It cost 25 cents a minute to dial up into a toll-free number so we could check email, maybe do a couple of lookups. I was on a fantasy baseball team that was all done by email back then. Then all of a sudden, we got unlimited R-Connect internet and a second phone line so my parents could uh, get calls and we could be online. I learned about sharing internet between machines via COM ports and later 10 megabit per second networking equipment. But one thing stood true. We couldn't get high-speed internet, never, the whole time I lived on the farm, even when my friends in town had Sebring cable internet. It wasn't until a few years later, after I left, my parents could get wireless internet, and even then, it wasn't super fast. But it was better than dial-up. Even today on my acreage, I get one bar on Verizon LTE. This is why Starlink is going to change not only the farming Midwest, but the world. It's Monday, August 29th, and this is The Brew House. Now, before I get started, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting. So if any of my listeners are interested in getting started, I have some advice. I went to Guitar Center yesterday to see what uh, I could do to better mix two mics together, only to find out using a regular mixer is not that easy. You have to use XLR mics and an, and an, and an XLR mixer. So I would let everyone know that while the Yeti mic is a cool mic, Stick to the XLR equipment. You'll spend about $100 more after you get the mixer, but the mics are the same price. And uh, with that, it's Monday. Let's get on with what we're going to talk about. Starlink is an internet provider from by SpaceX. It's different than most terrestrial internet because it uses low-orbit satellites to achieve low-latency internet access. In fact, I have had Starlink for a little over a year. I use it in the brew house exclusively. My ping time to Google is around 45 milliseconds, which is on par even with my desktop at work connected to the 10 gig fiber. My speed test is showing a respectable 86 megabits per second down and 20 megabits per second up, a very usable speed. I use it to stream IPTV, Plex, and even as I write this episode, I'm streaming House on Amazon Prime. I am sure you're asking yourself, but John, satellite internet has been around for a long time. What makes Starlink so much better? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's start with a comparison to HughesNet. When you order Starlink, there's an upfront cost to pay for Dishy of $599, whereas HughesNet upfront cost is around $449. It's a little bit of a savings, about 50 bucks or so. Starlink currently has no data cap. I pay $109 a month for Starlink, whereas HughesNet has a 50 gig limited package. Uh, yeah, yeah, limited usage package is 50 gigabyte for $149. Starlink has no contract, whereas HughesNet has a 24 month contract. There's no cancellation fee for Starlink, whereas HughesNet is $400. But here's the real kicker, the latency. That's the 45 milliseconds I mentioned before. Latency on Starlink adds around 20 to 50 milliseconds, whereas HughesNet is 600 milliseconds to 1200 milliseconds. And what that really means is, is if on a wired connection, uh, you're two milliseconds from the device, the wire is adding two milliseconds. So Starlink essentially is a wire to space and back down is 20 milliseconds and HughesNet is 600 milliseconds. So you still have the latency from wherever Starlink is or HughesNet is to the provider or to Google or whatever. So it'll just be 600 extra milliseconds. So over HughesNet, real-time applications will not work well. HughesNet gets around 25 megabits per second download speed, not bad, and it's limited to three megabits per second uplink. Ugh. 
which is better than in the past where you had to have a dial-up modem to send uh, the request and then the response would actually come back through the satellite. It was truly a one-way satellite, just like how you watch cable TV where you tune into the channel and the dish comes one way. You can't send the message back to the dish. It used to be just one way. So you'd dial up, send the request. It would go terrestrial to HughesNet. They'd send the request and then your response would come back through the dish, which get I get it back in the time that was that was good and that was very important to where we are and to help people get higher speed internet back a while ago I used to have dish network I opted to buy everything on eBay including a dish a couple of joeys etc I decided to install it myself as uh, always as I've always been interested in satellites and space and a bunch of cool apps were out there for the phone to track the satellites in space so aiming the dish was less complicated not uncomplicated and still, it took me, a non-professional, a few hours to get it right. Up and down the uh, the roof to go look at the box, finally calling my wife on the phone uh, and asking her, does it have signal now? And even then, I was not able, ever able to hit all three satellites at once. I got the original dishy, the round. The dishy is the what they call the Starlink dish, and the original one was big and round. Uh, I installed it, uh, the stand, plugged it into power over Ethernet, and suddenly the dish started moving. And just like that, just like the big dish we had growing up in the past year, it aimed itself. I did nothing, and within five minutes, I was online and using Starlink. It was a sight to see, which means you can install it yourself, whereas HughesNet requires a professional to install it. HughesNet dishes, uh, space dishes, are about 22,000 miles above the Earth. Their latest satellite, Jupiter 2, it can cover coast to coast. Both Starlink and HughesNet provide a similar method where the ground station sends and receives requests from the dishes in space to your dish. The satellite dish in space is effectively a repeater from the ground station. Starlink dishes are about 340 miles above Earth, so you can see a real advantage if you take into account the number of dishes Starlink has to launch. That one Jupiter dish can cover all 48 states, whereas Starlink requires many, many, many more dishes. They expect up to 42,000 satellites to be deployed, which is something like 15 times more satellites than are currently deployed now. So you can see why Starlink has lower latency. The dishes are closer to the Earth. There are more of them. But this doesn't all just equal success and make Starlink's business perfect. By having lower orbit dishes, sometimes the night sky can be obstructed by what is being called the Starlink train. This is the lines of dishes orbiting across the sky and are sometimes visible with the naked eye. And that hasn't gone unnoticed by astronomers. You can see it in the pictures I'm looking at. It literally looks like two bands across the across the sky, and you can't see the stars behind them. I mean, it's like it's obvious there's there's something up there. For me, growing up on the farm, the night sky and all the stars we could we we could see was something memorable. But something with progress comes with some negatives. And for me, it's yet to be seen if this will be a true negative or if some or if it's something that astronomers and SpaceX can work together on. We all know that information is power, and getting the internet everywhere would be power for everyone. One interesting thing about uh, the satellite that points itself is the ability to use your dish anywhere, while camping or just in the great outdoors. Don't worry, Starlink has a plan for that, and it's an extra $25 a month. You can use your dishy almost anywhere in the 48 states. Some of the eastern side is full, but it'll come along in the future as more dishes are launched into space. One side effect of this is being able to use your dishy while moving down the road something that hasn't gone unnoticed by the competitors. And similar to the Google shaming Apple about opening up iMessage, Dish has been lobbying the FCC to force Starlink to deactivate their dishes used in moving vehicles. Now, I have some of my own thoughts about driving down the road 
using Dishy, even as a passenger. And part of it is, if you look at the Dishy teardown videos, you can see that the gears used to aim the Dishy are made of plastic. So if you're driving down the road at, say, 70 miles per hour, uh, there could be a potential tear apart of the gears. But as far as using the Dishy while moving down the road, I think it's a good thing. You can use your cell data while driving. Why wouldn't uh, Dish Network just fix their stuff? Make it all, all the great things that Starlink has so you can use it driving down the road. Again, I think this is a case of uh, a big company using legal action rather than innovating and trying to do better. And as always, the consumer is left in the middle losing out. In the end, dish whining about Starlink didn't matter. On July 1st, 2022, Starlink got approval from the FCC to let people drive down the road and use the internet, which is a great win for consumers. There's also reports that Dishy was hacked by a $25 mod chip. The researcher was able to do a successful fault injection. He was able to obtain root access to the Dishy by glitching it. Now, while I think this is cool and getting root on everything is something that's important, the effect of this isn't much. Even if the researcher was able to send junk to the low-orbit Dish, uh... Starlink would just ignore the packets. Similar to how cell phones work, the base station is designed to throw junk away. What I find the most interesting about this was Starlink's response. While some companies would sue for silence, SpaceX said, bring on the bugs, and describes the hack as technically impressive. Any businesses that encourage finding and disclosing bugs is tops in my book. As you can see, I may be a little biased towards Starlink, but if Starlink performed like the other dishes that are on the market, I would have the same criticism for them. In the same way, if Starlink does make a plan more expensive by putting bandwidth cap or something like that on it, I would be equally harsh on them. But I would encourage anyone on the fence to give Starlink a test. If you're gonna hook up, if you're gonna hook it up, it's about $700 for the initial dish and the first month of service. But with that, I'll leave you here for today. Enjoy your Monday. This has been the Brew House.